Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lions fans. This is the podcast you've been waiting for. Show where the Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. And now, the only two guys laughing when they tell a joke, Chris and the Riz. Hey, hi ho Lions fans. Welcome to the Detroit Lions podcast. This is your Detroit Lions and Green Bay Packers game preview. This is the official Detroit, this is the official podcast for Reddit for Detroit Lions. I'm your host, Chris, and with me is the eminently gorgeous and airtime flex man, Tony T.O. Ortiz. How are you, Tony? So great to have you back. I am doing good, and actually, you can see me this week, so <laughs> I need to thank my wife and my son for the help, because last week was, let me see what I'm trying, last week was a disaster. This week, though, my wife allowed me to borrow the camera that they use for their meetings, their Zoom meetings during the week, so I borrowed the camera from her, and my son gave me all sorts of technical advice on how to install it into the computer and use it, so to my wife and my son, thank you. They are the reason you can see me today on the podcast. I haven't been lucky enough to meet your wife, but I have virtually met your son, and he is such a great guy. What a great kid. You, you've done well, Tony. Good, good stuff. It, it's man. so funny, Chris. All I had to do was tell him, look, I'm going to be doing this for Detroit Lions Pod. Oh, well, let me help you all. Oh, do they remember who I am? Yes. They remember you breaking Love in with you, me. Jordan. Love you, Jordan. So, so, yeah. So he was more than happy to help once he knew it was for the Detroit Lions podcast. So. Chris, you have yourself a fan in my son. Oh, it's mutual. He might actually take my place one day, and he'd probably be happy to do it. <laughs> we, we could probably make that happen to you. <laughs> Don't give me ideas now. All right. Oh, yeah. yeah. We love having you want to. We'll, we'll, make it, we'll, we'll talk later. All right. In today's okay. show, we got, a lot to, we got a lot going on. we got the Packers. We're going to town. We're going to Lambeau. A lot of history there. A lot of history between these two teams. And, boy, the, the eggs are scrambled this week after the week one performances by both teams. There's a lot to talk about there. We'll have an injury report. It's not official, but we have some some insights and some thoughts on that. Some game mm-hmm. predictions, betting odds, and a whole lot more. Great show as usual. T.O., are you ready to go, my man? I'm ready. Let's kick this off and break it down. All right. Getting right into it. First and foremost, we'd love to start these things off, these game previews with some Lions meta, kind of talk to you about the history of these teams. And I have to say, you know, folks who've been fans since the year 2000 probably don't have a lot of love for the series. Um, But ahead of 2000, and I'll get into it a little bit, it wasn't Mm -hmm. nearly as lopsided as as, as it looks today. Agree. Um, it's it's something to to see. The teams have met 183 times. It just seems like a crazy number to me. Um, Packers lead the series 104 to 72 to seven. 
And again, that's that's a massive, a massive, you know, weighting in their favor. Last tie was in 1973. The Lions mm-hmm. have lost the last four in a row, and ahead of that, won four in a row um, back in 2018 was the last time. Um, here's where it gets ugly. And if you think about this, right, 104 and 72. Since 2000, we only have 11 wins in 42 meetings. That's a terrible record. Right, especially for a team you have to meet twice a year. Exactly. If you take away the 21st century, though, <laughs> the, entire, <laughs> the the record of the Packers and the Lions is 73 and 61 and one it, it, and seven. It's it's absolutely respectable at that point. It pretty much is respectable. But here's where it gets even crazier, Chris. If you just take the games in Lambeau Field since 2000, the Lions are three and 18. The wins came in 2015, in 2017, and 2018. And that's it in the last 21 years. Oh, man. So the, uh, the regression to the mean odds are on our side. Everything is favoring the Lions, if you believe in regression to the mean. I think you have to because it's a math thing, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> first time they played was in 1930. We were the Portsmouth mm-hmm. Spartans at that time, and it was a uh, symbolically... <laughs> the loss, 47 to 13. It was a complete wipeout. Wow. Um, the Lions have had 22 games against Aaron Rodgers, or he's had 22 games against the Lions. He's mm-hmm. 17 and 5 against the Lions, 46 touchdowns, and only eight interceptions. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> now, Jared Goff, he's 1 and 0, never, be- never lost to the Green Bay Packers. 295 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. You tell me what those numbers say, Tony. We've got this in the bag. <laughs> they, yeah, they say we don't have enough information on Jared Goff. That's like the baseball hitter who's one for one against the pitcher he's facing. Well, that's nice, but that's nowhere near enough information to go on. Sorry. So, to me, eh, Aaron Rodgers has the edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is a crazy number to me, too. Total points scored in the series. Mm-hmm. 3,900 points by the Packers. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. 3,415 by the Lions. So you're talking about a 500-point difference. Interestingly, that 3,415 is actually is exactly 2,000 more points than we scored against the 49ers in the history of that series. <laughs> <laughs> to the number. Uh, Lions, okay. <laughs> I, I'll go back. This is uh, we talk about a, a quick story, a personal story uh, about the mm-hmm. matchup. I think sure. back, you know, growing up in the eighties, uh, the Billy Sims was the guy that locked me in on the Lions. You know, I I absolutely loved Billy. Um, we picked him up in nineteen eighty, and in the eighties, when we went thirteen and seven, and against the Packers, uh, the Lions, Silver Rush, Billy Sims, they sucked me in. I was I was like, I'm a fan. That's it. What a silly boy I was. And uh, <laughs> and then even in the 90s, it wasn't that bad. They were 9-13 and 13 over the course of the mm-hmm. decade. That wasn't terrible. It was really since 2000 that this, this train just blew off the rails. Here's the thing about the 90s Packers especially. The 90s Packers were on the cusp of being great. You know, yeah. Brett Favre, Sterling Sharp, they were on that cusp. You knew there was something there that they were going to be really good. But the Lions in that period also were starting to get good. And you just had that feeling that these were the two teams that were going to battle for the NFC Central Division title each and every year. And then along came the Minnesota Vikings, and they jumped thanks to that Randy Moss traffic. And by that time, the Lions were starting to fall off. 
the Packers were starting to keep ascent. The Packers were starting to ascend. It was just a changing of the guard. And I just remember how close those battles were in the 90s with the Lions and the Packers, especially that one playoff game, Sterling Sharp, wide blank open to win that playoff game with Brett Favre. Yeah. Yep. I, you just float into something that I absolutely love and, and most people would, would have missed. You, you went right into the NFC Central. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, everyone else, ah, oh, Kings of the North. They don't remember there was an NFC Central. They don't remember that we would always lose one game a year to Tampa Bay. <laughs> Correct. Which, no to me, bad. it was the craziest setup in the NFC Central. It made sense. Chicago, Minnesota, Detroit, Green Bay. Perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. And then you had Tampa Bay, and it's like, what? Tampa? And then I, I found out the hard way, and I need to thank. I don't remember who told me the story in the Lions organization. I need to thank them. But the reason that happened was because the NFC Central teams wanted to go to a warm weather city at least once during their schedule. And that's why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ended up in the NFC Central as opposed to maybe the NFC West where you already had Atlanta and New Orleans. This is the science between the makeup of the division, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) I need a good vacation during the season. (laughs) It would have made perfect sense if Tampa was in the NFC East and St. Louis, which at the time where the Cardinals would have been in the NFC central, that would have made more sense, but Nope. They wanted a trip to Florida. The bears, the Vikings, the Packers and the lions all wanted to make one trip to Florida a year. (laughs) And that's why you got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh my goodness. Nicole Paul Harvey. Now, you know, the rest of the story. (laughs) I I love the WWJ, the call letters behind you. Cause it it really just kind of, we got the true news radio kind of set up now with the, (laughs) you know what? I forgot the sign was behind me. I knew it was there and it's like, okay, I'm going to move the sign. And then I just got sidetracked and never moved the sign. So I'm leaving it there. It, it, you know, the Tony Ortiz credibility is so high and it it just, it just, it just kind of gives the whole aura of, of what, what kind of quality we've got here. Tony, let's talk about the, the, uh, your story. What's your most memorable story? You spent, you spent time at Lambeau. Um, I mean, I remember there's one thing I heard green Bay, little old ladies, bratwurst cart outside of the radio studio. There's a story I saw. I'm trying to think. (laughs) Yeah, Jim Brandstatter is the king, was the king of Lambeau Field. I mean, again, those little old ladies with the bratwurst who brought them around Lambeau Field and fed everybody up in the suites and everybody. We were okay. They, they, you know, we were there. Jim was their favorite, and they would always give him bratwurst to take home every single time we went to Lambeau Field. Jim never went hungry he <laughs> always had those little old ladies with the bratwurst and that special relish and i remember dan miller telling the story last year about the special relish and it's sitting there for two days and jim's still eating it it's, it was lambo field is historic for many reasons jim brandstatter is the main reason to me why lambo field is so historic that's great he's such a such a great guy i, lo- I love jim to death he's he a tri- he's a national treasure yeah. believe me absolutely. he's legendary absolutely he is all right, let's um besides the little old ladies and bratwurst, Lambo, what else what what kind of story, what personal story do you have that really stands out? There are two that come to mind. I remember 2015 when the Lions won in Green Bay. It was the end of that long losing streak that the Lions had where they didn't win in Lambo for a long time. And it was only the second win of the season for the Lions, but I remember the team had this sort of relief that, that no more questions about this. We don't have to answer any more questions. It's all over and I'm not going to say they celebrated like they won the Super Bowl, but there was a definite celebration sense in that locker room after they beat the Packers in that game. And I think the score was 18 to 16, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 18, 16. That was one where it just 
it was that sense of relief. Like we finally got the monkey off of our back. No more questions about it. You know, and they actually made that into a decent run in 2015. The other thing I remember, and it's not a great memory, was 2008, the 0-17 season. Mm. The last game of the year was in Green Bay at Lambeau Field, and the Lions lost that game 31-21. And I remember going through the locker room for the final interview for the season, you know, to put it on the Detroit Lions radio network. And I remember just very few people wanting to talk because at that point they had completed the winless season and nobody wanted to really not just not talk about it, Chris, but nobody wanted to acknowledge that they actually pulled off what people had expected them to when they were 0-12, 0-13, and the talk started then. Dominic Riola, I will always be grateful for because he actually talked and he actually knew what the questions were. He knew what was coming about the 0-16 and he was gracious with his answers. And I will always be grateful for Dominic because he did answer all the questions. He was very straightforward about how disappointing it was how they didn't want to make history in that way. And that's the two things that I remember most from Lambeau Field is the 2008 season and the 2015 season. Complete polar opposites. One was brutally sad and the other one was almost like a celebration. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of the things fans, you know, the 0-16 season hurt hurt fans, fans, you know, but fans often disassociate themselves with um, the state of the players and and where the players are. They're just, you know, they're they're the product on the field and they have this gap and they yell at and are, are irritated <laughs> with the players. I can't imagine, right? And and I and I often have have been putting myself in the position of I'm somebody who spent my whole life, my all my school years, all my free time, my whole life driving, working to better myself through college into where I finally make it to the NFL. I've been probably counted out through my life as I've made that journey. Especially a guy like like we have interviewed Jerry Jacobs. We continue to do like our own version of Hard Knocks with him this year. He continue he comes back and does uh, multiple interviews on the show. But the, the never give up attitude, a guy who's knocked down and he has to pick himself up and go through. <laughs> and you do that your whole life and you make it. And now you're here and you have more people telling you, oh, yeah, you're 0-12, you're going to go 0-16. Oh, you're 0-13. Yeah. And you're like, no, I'm not. And you've been able to pick yourself up your whole life. And that 0-16 finally hits and you sit there and it's almost like a man being confronted with his own mortality. You know what I mean? The, the impact that it has emotionally and in, in your heart, it's got to be so hard on those guys. It really is. And look, the one thing, once they got to 0-12 and 0-13, they didn't want to answer any more questions, Chris, about the season. They didn't want to hear that talk. They didn't want to, well, you could possibly go and see. No one wanted to hear it. And there was a point where quite a few people in the locker room that year did not want to talk to the media and kind of got irritated with the media as the losses continued to mount. And again, like you said, it's because this is the culmination of your career. This is the pinnacle. This is the top. There is no other better league for a football player than the NFL. And to be to be basically told that you're a failure was something that was hard for a lot of those guys to understand. Oh, and it was hard for those guys to accept. And to be honest, I would have probably been the same way. I, you know, just covering the games, just being there on the sidelines. It was frustrating because you wanted to see them break through and win a game just so they didn't go down in the record books like that. Yeah. And it happened, unfortunately in green Bay. And that was game over at that point. Yeah. And then you go, as you said, the other end of the coin, Shaking that monkey off the back. I mean, yeah. that was a team that was ascending, right? It, and, mm-hmm. and I'm not. I don't mind, you know, talking about where things were. But if you think through the the Jim Schwartz years and into the uh, the the Jim Caldwell years, and you saw a team that continued to build and get better and better yep. and look like they were ready to take the next step, and then 
you hired the very the consensus best GM available at the time in Bob Quinn. You you hired the the the, the top coach. It was him and um and Vrabel were really the two top guys. But Matt Patricia was really a favorite. You get those two top guys, and you really believed that this 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 uh, organization was ready to take that next step. That win against Green Bay, I remember as a fan, feeling that same kind of monkey shaking off the back and seeing that ascension of the team and feeling that it was really coming together for this group of, uh, of young men. And Chris, here's the key. When they won that game, that set off a streak where the Lions, who had started the year 1-7, and seven, finished the year 6-2. and two. They ended up with a 7-9 and nine record after hitting the halfway break at 1-7. and seven. And it was that Green Bay game that started the ball rolling. It was the Green Bay game and the coaching of Jim Caldwell that basically gave them that confidence. And if you look in 2015, they beat the Packers, then they beat the Raiders, the Eagles, lost back-to-back games to Green Bay and St. Louis, and then closed out the seasons with wins on the road at New Orleans, home against San Francisco, and then they beat Chicago in Chicago for the final game, which turned out to be the last game for Calvin Johnson. But that Green Bay win was the catalyst to a 6-2 and finish and just as importantly, was also the catalyst for the 2016 season when the Lions ended up making the playoffs. Yep. And so we, we got to the point where we thought we were jumping into that next level. Instead, we got something different. We have a new regime. Their kind of consensus thinking is that... We've had enough of that shit. And we're going to start over and move things forward. <laughs> <laughs> I love Coach. You know, that's never going to get old. No, no, I love Coach. He's the best. Oh, man. All right, really quick, I want to talk about Lions Nation Unite. We just kicked off yesterday. I know a lot of you folks have seen it. LionsNationUnite.com or get Lions Nation Unite app. It's available on uh, Android and iTunes. Herman Moore kicked this off. We're a partner with him as one of the, the, the creators putting this together. Dosa Dion, you guys know him as well from YouTube. He's one of the guys that's uh, on the creator side doing creating content. But you, too, can create content there. You can put your stuff in there. If you have pictures or videos, your, your, your lion's cave, that sort of thing, put it in there. Herman is interacting with folks in the, in the chat. He's putting up great new videos every day, his own content, creating content. Lomas is, 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 is roaming around in there, too, doing his thing. It's an absolutely awesome place to go. It is the ultimate fan experience. It is a new and different kind of experience for folks to take part in. LionsNationUnite.com. One of the coolest things that's coming out, come out of this, and, I, and for us, maybe for our listeners, whatever. Nothing changes for us. We do everything we did. There's no censor. There's no change in how we, what we can or can't say. It is wide open to do whatever we want, like we've always been. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things we've we've had ultimate. We've had the locked on contract offered. We'd have a bunch of them, and we've turned them all down because we want the autonomy to be able to be ourselves and say what we want. We don't want to be that kind of corporate kind of limitation around what we what we do because that's who we are. But with this. We got not only can be ourselves and do the things we want, but there's things we can do for our fans. And one of the big focuses of Lions Nation Unite is to kind of focus on a lot of the charities out there as well and help them out. And you know, Tony, we've we did the St. Jude thing together last yep. year. We're really big. We have our big, you know, our big two charities. We wanted to kind of six months a year for each one we wanted to think about. We landed this summer. I got a note from a, an Iraqi war vet when he was out in Iraq in 2017. The 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 phrase. Uh, I'll never forget it in his in his note. He was I was going through through some really really dark times, and uh, he 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 doesn't talk about what they were. He hasn't talked about what they were, but right. uh, he said the podcast pulled him through. Whenever he'd get right. Wi Fi, he would download as many episodes as he could, re-listen Good. to them as long as he could, and he said we helped carry him through those really really dark times. And it was at that moment I said 
everything we earned that month, we just threw right into Fisher House, the uh, Ronald McDonald House, basically for the VA to help families when they have people at the uh, the VA hospital getting help. They can stay for free, get 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 a place to be close to their loved ones when they're at the most difficult times in their lives. Fisher House is they have a Fisher House at the VA in Ann Arbor. They're trying to build one in Detroit. We're doing everything we can here to try to raise money. We're like $4,300 so far raised for Fisher House. We need to get to 300000 and that Well, that's where they need to, get to go to. That's what we're trying to help them get to. Tying this back to the Lions Nation Unite, Herman has given us an autographed mini helmet and two tickets to the Thanksgiving Day Lions game against the Bears. Watch no. our, uh, our our website, DetroitLionsPodcast.com. This weekend, we're going to put those on auction, and all the money we raise from both of those items are going to go straight to Fisher House to help try to, like I said, build that Fisher House at the VA in Detroit downtown. So this weekend, DetroitLionsPodcast.com, you're going to be able to bid on a signed Herman Moore mini helmet and two tickets to the Chicago Bears Thanksgiving Day game. Thanks to Lions Nation Night. Love working with Herman and the team. It's really something special. You guys go in there, set up. Sign up and uh, take part. It's a lot of fun. We're going to do a lot of good in Detroit. Herman Moore, one of the best guys right now in the community, one of the great former Lions, and what he does for the community is just beyond words. So nice job by Herman Moore. Nice job by all you guys to get this done. So well done. Thumbs up, guys. Thanks to you. Thanks. I'll tell you the the interview, talking to him, we talked about what Detroit has meant to him and how you know it gets under your skin. Detroit is a special kind of a city, and he acknowledged that when you when when you come and you really feel the city, not just the fans. As a player, you come in and the fans cheer for the team, right? Right. right. And then you go and you probably move home. Herman didn't do that. He moved his family to Detroit. He he set he grew roots and became a Detroiter and loves this city. And and he this is his way of giving back. Herman's a real class act in the community of, of former players. You know what the great thing is about Detroit, Chris, and I've had a chance. I, I was born in Buffalo. I'm not a native Detroiter. I lived my first seven years in Detroit had, or in Buffalo, excuse me, and had one brief seven-year period where I lived in Houston. But the one thing about Detroit is once you live here, once you get to know the people, once you see the work ethic of this town, yep. it just it just gets inside of you. And to me, I may not be a native Detroiter, but I feel like Detroit is a huge part of me. And I love this city. I left and I came back and – I, I don't want to go anywhere else. I don't want to be anywhere else. I love the city of Detroit. I love this area. And to me, this always will be home. I may have been born in a different city, but to me, Detroit is my home. Yeah, yeah. I, I was born in Detroit, grew up in the in, in Detroit area, moved away for work back in 2007, have lived in mm-hmm. Southern California and now Champa Bay. And um, okay. anyone asks, I, I'm still a Detroiter, 110%. It's, it's in your blood. It's, it defines who you are. And I've worked in you know West Coast companies now, an East Coast company, and the thing that makes me different than the people that I work around is that mm-hmm. Detroit grind, that never going to yep. give up, never going to stop, and keep going, and that carries you further in 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 places that have you know a little bit a little bit different kind of arrogance in the West Coast and East Coast, but there's an arrogance there that they carry in how they work. The grind yep. wins, the grind wins. That Detroit spirit and the Detroit way of doing things, man. Hey, Chris, how about your friend Dean Blandino <laughs> sitting up there first week of the season? What did he have in front of him to eat? Detroit, Detroit style pizza. pizza. <laughs> Isn't he great? I, I looked at that and I just started laughing. I'm like, okay, Dean Blandino has a fan now in me. <laughs> He's absolutely fabulous. All right, let's get into the injury report. Before we do, I want to talk about last week's games, both games, yeah. because this really is setting an 
interesting matchup. And of course, now it's on Monday night in the big stage. This is really something. First off, the the Packers got shellacked. Last yeah, they week, did. Thirty-eight to three, just a humiliating loss. How was their week? How did they? How are things for them this week? <laughs> Let's see. What's the phrase I'm looking for? Angry, <laughs> mad. They want. Look, this is their home opener Monday night. They want to come home and they want to prove, Chris, that what they what fans saw last week against New Orleans is not the real Green Bay Packers. So that's strike one if you're the Lions. You would have probably preferred for them to win in New Orleans, maybe have a 38 to 3 win in New Orleans, and maybe relax a little bit Look going into this the game. Lions, no, right? they want to have some payback. Somebody's got to pay for the fact that they got shellacked in Jacksonville by New Orleans. The other thing to note, too. Aaron Rodgers, if you go back and look at it, the last time he played a football game before last week was January, the NFC Championship game against Tampa Bay. He did not play at all in the preseason. He did not have any lead up to training camp. He wasn't part of any of those mini camps or anything like that. So the first time he really got on the field with his offense in a game situation was week one against the New Orleans Saints. I have a feeling, a gut feeling, that after what happened in New Orleans or what happened against New Orleans and the week leading up to the Lions game after getting hammered and And made fun of in the press nationally and locally, they're going to come out and they're going to play a better game against the Lions just simply because of human nature. Listen. It's fair. It's a fair assessment. Absolutely. I just... The Lions have some, and we saw this against San Francisco. The Lions have some issues defensively. They played better in the second half, but you can also point to the fact that San Francisco kind of let up off the gas a little bit when they went up by 24 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, come on, 24-point lead in the fourth quarter with about six minutes left to go, you're going to let up off the gas. They were a possession away from changing that game. And I'll tell you early, I'll tell you early that that pick six Mm -hmm. and that field goal, those two plays completely changed the game, I think. Um, I don't want to say that, look, you're absolutely right about uh, San Francisco. I'm going to actually want to disagree. It's Kyle Shanahan, as I think about it. Kyle Shanahan likes to twist the knife once once he goes. I don't know how much they let up. I know they had an injury at cornerback. I know some other things happened in that way. I don't know that they actually let up. What I saw is a Lions team, though, that didn't give up. I think about it in that, you know, the, the 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 first team offense hadn't played together in the preseason. The whole the mm-hmm. whole the whole group of them never played together until game one, and it's similar to to Aaron Rodgers not playing since January of last year. It took right. them a while to gel, and suddenly people were in the right spot on the field for passes. The passes were more accurate, and you watched. I mean, I, I said this in the last podcast with Riz. It almost felt like a Matthew Stafford game where he just kind of didn't show up the first half, and then the second half he's just. Boom, boom. Or the last quarter, he was just on point. Those delivering beautiful throws, catchable throws to these guys. Now the question is, is it exactly like you said, that they kind of let up a little bit and the Lions were able to, in in that kind of environment, show up? Was it the Lions knocking off the rust and gelling and kind of feeling each other finally? Live fire is a lot different than any practice, even in the preseason. There's no – it's a different kind of approach did we see an evolution of this team and a gelling of this team in game one, or did we see the effect of, you know, an external effect of what was happening around them? Chris, I think we'll know the answer to that by the end of the first quarter. I think by the end of the first quarter of Monday night's game, we'll know if the lions we saw in the final six minutes of that game against San Francisco are the true lions, or if it's the lions we saw in the previous 54 minutes 
against San Francisco? And I think that answer, that'll be answered in the first quarter. And the Green Bay Packers question will be answered in the first quarter, yes. too. Yes. Because yes. I believe if the Packers come out and they're slow, they come out slowly, the fans are going to get on them because they saw what happened when they came out of the gate slow against New Orleans. And if you are the Packers, the last thing you want is to have your home crowd turning on you in a Monday night game in front of the entire nation. So I think by the end of the first quarter, we should have some answers as to how good the Packers are going to be. And we should also have some answers to how good the Lions offense is and whether or not did they get what they got against San Francisco because the 49ers let them off the gas? Or like you said, did they start to gel and start to click after not playing together for most, if not all of the preseason? I, I hate to disagree with you on this, Chris, but I do think the 49ers with that lead did let up off the gas. And you're right about Kyle Shanahan, but I also think that this team, the 49ers have a different defensive coordinator in D'Amico Ryans. And I think had it been Robert Sala, it might've been a little bit different. I don't see him letting up off the gas, but I think the 49ers did. And I think that helped the lions get back into that game briefly. Okay. Well, (laughs) you know what that means? Chris has got a kooky theory again. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm curious now. What is your kooky theory, Chris? I, I shared this on the show, but I I know you haven't heard it. And I think you know I, my my probability on this is less than ten percent. But I love okay. the idea. I'm absolutely in love with this idea. Aaron Rod, the moment that Jordan Love was picked, okay, mm-hmm. the exact moment, Aaron Rodgers hated the Green Bay Packers organization in the front office. Okay, he. Now, we know this is a guy whose own mother doesn't love him, <laughs> who doesn't get along <laughs> with his family, right? He's, <laughs> he, wow. I might have said you, it you know, a little harshly. I can't, but, I can't argue with you on that. You're right, but go ahead. Yeah, who Talk about holding the grudge, right? Mm-hmm. If you do that with your own mom and your own family, you, yeah. are, you have a deep rift of hate <laughs> that rides in you and, and, and grudge holding, okay? Mm-hmm. What if... The team, he was so and like the whole thing he was holding out this year, but he knew he wasn't going to get his eleven million if he held out. He knew he knew he was done, right? And he doesn't want to let him off the hook for he he wants that money in his pocket, a hundred percent. What if he decided, yeah, okay, I'll show up, but I'm not going to show up. And now think about this. I'm just here. He knows he's retired. He's not going anywhere. He he's got his money. He's going to go host Jeopardy or do whatever else he does. He has a great way to go. The ultimate troll. To go out and say, you know, double middles to the to the Green Bay organization wow. and throw it and let it go. Now, what do you do? And again, think about it from, from the perspective of your hip. Nobody's ever done that in the NFL, right? Correct. If you do that, number one, you've won a Super Bowl with that organization. Your whole career mm-hmm. was with that organization. You're the guy that's enshrined in, oh, the greatness of, you're in the ring of honor or whatever else they have at Lambeau, right? You are that guy. But then everyone has to say, but he did the 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 thing where he threw this massive juxtaposition, this mind game that people have to play about a guy that was so not only recent but important in the lore and the history of the organization. This is the ultimate play, and he's the guy that is just hateful enough to do something like that is could it be that 38 to 3 was part of the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour could you imagine i would oh this this so again i love the story less than 10% chance but holy cow the lore the the, the player and front office relationship change that would happen the ripples throughout the league this is yeah. this is huge this is huge if you if you pulled something like this 
All right, let me play Dana Scully here to your Fox Mulder. Okay. <laughs> um, and debunk your theory for two reasons. One, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to retire after this season. I think Aaron Rodgers is going someplace else, like a Denver or maybe the Las Vegas Raiders. He's going to play someplace else next season. So I don't think he's going to scotch his NFL career by getting back at the Green Bay Packers. I like don't this think game. anyone would not take him because he did this in Green Bay. I don't think um, it would it would blacklist him because because a little bit yeah because they're taking him for the last ride of his career and they know Correct. and they know he's the guy they also know that when he's not the guy he's not the guy right <laughs> don't ever put him in again that's it right but I don't think that hurts yep. him somewhere else they want that talent in Denver and the other part of it too Aaron Rodgers' legacy is important to him he wants to go out as the ultimate winning quarterback um. You know, Tom Brady is the top of the Tom Brady's the top of the hill. He is the king of the mountain at this point. Um, And then you could put Aaron Rodgers there with Patrick Mahomes. You could put him there with Russell Wilson. You could put him there with other big quarterbacks. I don't think he would damage his legacy that way in throwing a season like this just to prove a point. Could he do it? Is he spiteful enough to do it? Absolutely. Spiteful. That's the word. Thank you. I just don't think that he would do it and destroy his life. I, I think my it's opinion, a different legacy, Aaron, though, for players. Aaron Rodgers' legacy is too important to him, Chris. He doesn't want to go out that way. He wants to be thought of as the ultimate winner, and I just don't see him doing that. He loses eight games this year. They're going to bench him. He's done. He, they won't play him anymore. He gets his $11 million. He doesn't get hurt. If he does get a little dinged up, he heals. But his legacy is not just his football legacy. His wins, losses, the, the, the right. stats are still fine. Like They're untouched by a couple of losses here. But the other side is, from a player's perspective, the NFLPA and what he does for that way that players are treated by the front office, that legacy would be gigantic. I agree. And by the way, they're not going to bench him if they lose eight games because Chris right now, nine and eight might win the NFC That's North. <laughs> so eight losses, eight losses means you've got a shot at winning the division and going to the playoffs. So no, okay, they're not going to okay. bench him if they lose eight games. Fine. It was a, It's a fun theory though, right? Sure. <laughs> Again, it's a fun, listen, I'm the guy here to debunk the theory, so there you go. There you go. I appreciate it. I'm not Jillian Anderson. I'm not as good looking, but, you know. Oh, I don't know, Tony. We'll we'll talk about that later. Uh, (laughs) But first, let's slide into the Diamond CBD injury report brought to you by Diamond CBD. If you've got pain, anxiety, or insomnia, head on over to cbd.detroitlionspodcast.com and get uh, get yourself taken care of. Look, there's two kinds. There's the kind that just take care of pain, anxiety, and insomnia. You'll pass a drug test. It just really helps you. There's the other kind, the Delta 8, the Delta 10. Those those are the kind that give you a buzz. That gives you the more historical sense around the whole cannabis thing that people thought, think, thought about in the 70s and 80s. It's a little bit different today. But um, this is this is what it's at, cbd.detroitalliancepodcast.com. You will get the results that you need out of either type. Head on over there and get yourself taken care of and take care of your head along the way. All right. Injuries. Diamond CBD Injury Report. First off, I want to start with Tyrell Williams. And and let's say the injury report isn't finalized till tomorrow because it's a Monday Correct. night game. So we're doing a little speculation. We're doing a little bit of information that we have, and uh, we'll we'll put it together. Tyrell Williams concussion did not practice. Tony, I think he's I think he's going to be out. 
Yeah, I do too. And I think Kevin Strong, who also didn't practice today because of a concussion, I think both of those guys are going to be out. The good news is I think a lot of the guys who were limited in practice the last couple of days, Michael Brockers, Trey Flowers, DeAndre Swift, Romeo Okwara, and of course, Jamal Williams. I think all of those guys are going to eventually play. They might be limited in how much they play Monday night, but I don't see, especially Jamal Williams going back to Green Bay. I don't think he's going to miss the chance to, shall we say, stick it to the Packers. He'd be out there with an inflatable cast and crutches and still play (laughs) in this game. He is not missing it. I love his personality. Uh, Just in training camp, he was playing playing catch with the fans every morning before before practice, just throwing the ball in the stands, throwing it back, throwing it back and forth. When when, when people would drop, he'd be like, hey, I can't do that, right? He was was having a lot of fun with it, having a great time. What a great, great guy, great personality. Chris, when two reporters try to ask him a question at the same time, they have to play rock, paper, scissors to determine <laughs> who will ask Jamal. And that's at his request. He, when If you do it, it's rock, paper, scissors time. And I love that about Jamal Williams. He has one of the best, most infectious personalities. And look, I think he would play, if you told him he had to go out there with a leather helmet from the 1930s, he would go out there and play against the yeah. Green Bay Packers. And yeah. again, it, it's not personal. He understands that. He talked <laughs> to the reporters the other day and said, look, I understand what they did wasn't personal. It's part of a business. But if you're a player... There's a part of you that always wants to stick it to the team that let you go and that released you and didn't bring you back. And I think Jamal Williams, somewhere in that ego, really wants to show the Packers that they made a huge mistake not bringing him back. Absolutely they do, or he does. I'll tell you one of the other uh, training camp stories from him. The running backs are coming out with Deuce, and they have this sled, and I wish I knew what it was called. It's only only like four inches off the ground, and Mm -hmm. it's, it's about two feet wide, and you have to bend over in kind of a pike position. And you have to get behind it to push it forward. And mm-hmm. uh, as they were, as the, the running backs were walking up, and uh, Deuce was there, <laughs> you got uh, Williams. He's there. He's going. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ <laughs> at the sled. <laughs> and, and, and Jamar Jefferson is the guy that had to get down on that, and he had to take it from the goal line to the fifty and back. And wow. I'm telling you, he was. Dying. He got to the 50 and he took a long breather and he was coming back. And by the time he got to the 20, he'd go four or five yards and he'd have to stop and, and breathe. By the time he got to the 15, heading back towards the goal line, the rest of the running backs, they were running drills the whole time. He's doing that little sled. They get mm-hmm. to the 15, the whole team's around him and they're cheering on. A couple guys got down in the pike position themselves on all fours, kind of like walking next to him uh, to just kind of support him and cheer him on to get there. I swear when he finally got done, I thought he was going to throw up in the end zone. He was destroyed by that thing. I couldn't believe it. But the whole the whole crew there together, and then I mean, just his reaction to that sled, I was like, what's, what's the big deal? You just push the sled. And then I saw <laughs> pushing the sled and what it meant. I was like, oh, God, the power of Christ compels you. Yeah, I'm with you, man. <laughs> I'm right there with you, no doubt. Hey, can we give some love to Deuce Staley? He has oh. been a refreshing change for the Lions. His personality his coaching of the running backs. He was a great addition to the staff by head coach Dan Campbell. And to me, Deuce Staley is the type of coach that as a reporter covering the Lions, I would absolutely love to just talk to him every day, every other day, just to talk to him, just to hear his stories, because he is a phenomenal human being and a great personality on that coaching staff. I hate that we're not going to be able to keep him forever. And this is the hard part of having great people. Yeah. And and but this is what they're trying to build. And we talked about that ser- servant leadership. We've talked about what it means, uh, you know, as as uh, for Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes in the front office and how they bring their coaches in. 
this is something that they want to grow these guys. I, I've, I've talked to the, um, the Fraley's and it's, it's one of those things where they want them to grow and move on to their next job, whether it's with the lions or elsewhere, they want right. these people to succeed and be the best they can. And creating a pipeline like that is the way that you bring in great talent, the way you become a great organization, being able, you know, if you, if you love something, let it go, right? Yep. <laughs> that kind of a yep. thing. And Deuce is the kind of guy, the thing that hurts the most about him is knowing he's not going to be here for a long time. And that, that really, really hurts. Another guy who doesn't get the credit I think he does, he deserves, or at least the airtime, is Antoine randall Agreed. He is absolutely fantastic out there. And I'll tell you, that guy can still wing a ball. Holy cow, watching him with the, the receivers out there. Pat, he's the guy throwing the ball, right? It's not the other guys. Coach is there, and he's throwing bullets. My guy can throw a ball still. He's, he's excellent out there with those guys. Can we give love to one more assistant coach, Hank Fraley, who's done a magnificent job with the Lions offensive line, not just this year, but last year as well. Yeah. They have a really good set of assistant coaches on the Lions this year. Maybe the best that, that Lions fans have seen in some time. And like you said, when you've got a good staff like this, Chris, a lot of times other teams are looking, other teams are watching, and other teams could come and poach those guys. And look, to me, Deuce Staley, next stop for him is going to be an offensive coordinator somewhere. No we doubt were, in my mind. We were hours away from Hank winding up in Pittsburgh. Literally hours yeah. away. It was it was scary this offseason. Um, the fact that we were able to retain him is great. Now we had that preseason game, and now we have the the in-season game against the Steelers coming up this year. Uh, they, I, they were mad. I'm telling you, the Steelers, Tomlin, the, the team, was angry that Hank decided to stay. And they're angry with him for doing it. I know they've got some, they've got some, you know, besides the whole player rift, there's a coach rift going on here as well. So um, that'll be an interesting game to watch. But we we are lucky to hold on to Hank. He is, he is absolutely adds a little bit of spice to the uh, Steelers Lions rivalry. How's that? Yeah, we could use it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, from the Packers side, there's some significant injuries going on here. And this is yeah. something we really, really need to talk about. Let's start with Zadarius Smith. That's a huge loss for the Packers because he's a guy who's recorded double-digit sacks in each of the last three seasons. He's one of just three players to have done that, Chris. And he's a guy who provides a serious pass rush for the Packers. Although it wasn't there last week against the Saints, he is a guy that they do depend on to put some pressure on the quarterback. Losing Zedarius Smith actually helps out the Lions offense because that's one less pass rusher that they have to keep track of. The other major injury, too, is Lucas Patrick. And right now he's got a concussion. So similar to when we were talking about the Lions, when we were talking about um, Tyrell Williams and Kevin Strong, there's a pretty good bet that he's not going to be recovered in time to play Monday night. And that would be a huge loss for that Packers offensive line, which, as you've mentioned, has lost a couple of key players in the last couple of years that were counted on by Aaron Rodgers to keep him protected, keep him safe, keep him from hitting the turf as much as he has, at least in week one against the Saints. The whole left side is at risk right now with Lucas Patrick and David Bakhtiari out. Um, this is this is this is a scary. This is the blind side for for Aaron yeah. Rodgers. Now we know he's a mobile quarterback. We know he can move. I like yep. how our defense plays. Um, mm-hmm. I like how how we move as well. I love um, Levi Anzurike, what he brings up the middle. This is a different kind of defensive line that the the Packers are playing. They've got one week of of tape to work with, um, and and they're missing the left side of the line. This I think bodes really well for the Lions. This gives it to make Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable. And this is the thing about Aaron Rodgers. He is his mental game is just as much a part of the game as the physical game for him. Agreed. When he's running scared, he gets angry. And when he gets angry, 
and is running scared because angry angry Aaron is also bad Aaron. He can really he can he can really put a hang some hang some big balls on you. Uh, uh, I have to rephrase that. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I just got that. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't recognize it until I said it. Um, but he, when he's angry and he's running, he gets frustrated. So yes. that left side of the line, if we can take advantage of that, and if we can keep him moving and we can get him scared, um, that works. That's going to work in our favor. The problem is. Jeff Okuda mm-hmm. is gone. Our number one yeah. cornerback. And Amani Arawarie had a tough week one. He had a very, very tough week one. This is where he may be able to compensate with a lot of rollouts to the right. And here's the question now for the Packers. You saw that the Lions struggled with Jimmy Garoppolo in week one against the 49ers. Yeah. You see the injuries that they have in their secondary. Do you give Aaron Rodgers the okay to attack that secondary right away? Or, or do you bring out Aaron Jones and the big back running attack and have them try to control time of possession, keep the ball on the ground and then force the lions to go to their passing game, which is not their strength. And also keep this in mind. The Packers didn't run well in week one against the saints, but the lions defense against the run against the 49ers was not very good. So it's almost a case, Chris, and I know we were going to get the matchups here shortly, but it's almost a case with the Packers. Pick your poison if you're the Lions, because if they start running the ball well, that takes the pressure off Aaron Rodgers. But then if Aaron Rodgers is flinging it all over the field, it puts the pressure on your secondary. So it's almost a pick your poison type deal with the Packers going up against the Lions defense. Yeah, I'm we can go right into matchups. I think that was a great segue, okay. Tony. Um, I, I, I think they go to the passing game. I think for the the if I'm the Packers and I'm game planning against the Lions, you have a young team, you know, mm-hmm. they don't give up, but you also know. That secondary is weak and hurt. Right, hang those numbers up on them. Put the yards up and just keep them on their back and just keep keep running that that uh, scoreboard like a gas pump and force <laughs> the Lions into the game they don't want to play. Force the Lions into having to throw the ball. If you get two touchdowns ahead, the Lions' offense is going to be in a really really tough situation. Um, I agree, I, and I think that's what they're going to shoot for. If that doesn't work. And this is where you, you like you talked about that first quarter being so imperative and telling the story of what this game is like. If they mm-hmm. can't, they, if they can't hang that up in the front in the in the first quarter, if they can't get ahead by two scores, and the Lions can run their running game and can run their offense and 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 own the clock, own time of possession, and and dink, dunk, and chip the way down the field like they've wanted to do, and provided they can be accurate, it doesn't have to be the massive comebacky kind of stuff we saw in the fourth quarter, but they, right. the, the guys have to catch those balls that they dropped in the first half. Jared Goff has to deliver the ball to, to you know, catchable balls to these guys in the, you know, in the wingspan when, uh, when, when he's throwing it to them. If they can achieve that, this is a real interesting ball game. This is, so I think how the, the, the secondary plays in that first quarter is really going to set the tone for this game and how it, it, it pans out. And Chris, let me go to the other side of the ball, which is this. The Saints were able to have success against the Packers with a short ball control game. Jameis Winston really did not launch a lot of deep balls against the Packers secondary. Smart. He did a lot of underneath (laughs) and forced the Packers to come up a little bit. And the Saints running game was effective. Wasn't great, but it was effective. And I think that kind of plays into the Lions hands a little bit because that's to me. When Jared Goff was at his best during the game against the 49ers, it was when he was using and executing that ball control offense. Now, look, I know it it drove Lions fans crazy. I know it drove my wife and son crazy because they wanted to see him take deep shots down the field. But that was the proper way to do things because it got the Lions back in the game. Then when they were ready to take the deep shots, 
the 49ers were vulnerable to that, at least in the final six minutes of the game. So to me, the Lions have to execute the same type of offense, the short ball control passes, the good running game, the solid running game, the effective running game to have a chance at Lambeau Field against the Packers. So that's my big matchup is can the Lions use that ball control offense to control time of possession against the Packers at Lambeau Field. If they can do that, they've got a shot at pulling off the upset. Yeah. Yeah. My 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 key is is the defensive line and and getting Aaron Rodgers running yep. and frustrated. That is how the Lions will win the game. If they can do and, and they have an opportunity with the left side of the line with Bakhtiari and Patrick being out. Um, you know, Patrick isn't out for sure, but he hasn't practiced and he's in the concussion protocol at this point. You can pretty much say he's going to be out. That left side of the line is is going to be vulnerable, and we have a line that we didn't have last year. I think we're in really yep. good shape. This is our opportunity. This is our opportunity to take control of that game. We'll see what happens. Can you imagine the joy that I think a win at Lambeau? And I'm not. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about what we predict. <laughs> um, a win at Lambeau for this team would be just as much as a lift, I think, as that win back when we finally shook the monkey off our back. And, and won one after losing 153 years in a row at Lamb. <laughs> <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. And here's the thing, Chris. The Lions, the next three weeks, are going to face teams that might be winless yeah. as they go through the schedule. The Packers are winless. Next week, the Ravens are coming to town, and they play the Chiefs this week. It's gonna be tough. So there's a pretty good shot. Baltimore's 0-2 heading into Ford Field. And then two weeks after that, the Chicago Bears are the team that the Lions face. And again, they could also be winless going into that game. So the Lions are going to have to get used at least the next three weeks. And then the Vikings come after that. So the next four games, the Lions are going to have to get used to facing teams that are going to come with them with a bit of desperation. No matter what happens, they're going to have to play their A game the next four weeks to have any kind of success against the Packers, against the Ravens, against the Bears, and against the Vikings. Because those are teams that all are going to come into those games with something to prove and wanting to beat the Lions. And as tough as it is for this season, if I think about the long term, I think that Mm -hmm. is one of the best teaching opportunities for this young team and these guys that are learning the new defense, the the, the new scheme. Even uh, Amani Arawarie had a tough game. We know that last week. He's a guy who had two years of, if we listen to what Jeff Okuda said, the coaching was not that great in the previous regime. Amani's whole NFL career was with that kind of coaching. I yep. don't think we've seen the best out of Amani yet. I think that that's a very talented young man who just hasn't been able to get the coaching he needs to get to his potential. We'll see what happens, but right. this, these these games are, are absolutely superior opportunities for young guys to learn and, and, and you know iron sharpens iron, as they say. Absolutely, and you know what? He's got to be the guy to step up now and be the Lions' number one corner or cornerback with Jeff Okuda out. And I swear, if this wall behind me, if I could put letters up here, on this wall behind me. You got WWJ right there. (laughs) Besides those letters, yes. But if I could put other letters up there, it's going to be what's hanging in the Packers locker room, the Ravens locker room, the Bears locker room, and the Vikings locker room. Don't let up. Because I'm sure every single coach on those four teams will look at what happened in the fourth quarter against the 49ers and say, look, you can get a big lead on this Lions team. They're not going to give up. They're not going to back down. So if you get them down, Keep putting your foot on their throat and you keep going because this is a Lions team that can get right back into a game with a comeback like they had against the 49ers. And if I'm the Lions, the letters I'm putting up there are FTP. (laughs) 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 And and our listeners know what that means. (laughs) 
I know what it means. <laughs> I've heard that several times. <laughs> I think also, uh, <laughs> the, the, again, Jerry is really close to us and close to the show. He's such a great young man and, and really embodies a spirit. He he's talked about it that never give up, and that's what these these guys have, and that's really the the heart and soul of what this team is. I it, it, I always think of that, just like you said, don't let up, never give up, Lions, never ever give up. You've made it this far you, it, because of what skills and talents you have. You can take that to the next level. You can push it to the next level. And I just want to say, when we have Jerry on next time, folks, be ready. Mm-hmm with your questions because we'll take calls from folks. You can talk to Jerry yourself and we'll get your own questions in. So that'll be fun. All right. Um, we got the matchups. Let's talk about the odds. Let's, let's get to Vegas here, okay? Brought to you by Amazon, amazon.detroitlionspodcast.com. Anything you need, go there, amazon.detroitlionspodcast.com. And you can get it. It's straight to Amazon. No funny stuff. It, give us, it just sets a little cookie and they know to give us a, a slice of the profits. Take it away from Bezos. He doesn't need any more space trips. You want to support your podcast, amazon.detroitlionspodcast.com. All right, the Vegas line. The spread has the Packers minus 10.5. That's a, that's, that's a big number. What do you think, Tio? That's a, that's a big cookie, but you know what? Well, look, I'm 0 for 1 because I said that the Lions It was well, a push. It was a push. Cover. Yeah, it was a push. So, okay, so 0, 0 and 1. Um, you know what? I like the Lions as a sneaky backdoor cover. I can see the Packers getting a big lead, and I can see the Lions coming back. And 10.5 is a huge number, especially in today's NFL. So to me, if it was my money, I would probably take the Lions in the 10.5 just because you don't see too many teams getting double digits, even in a road game at Lambeau Field. So I take the Lions to make a sneaky backdoor cover. They won't win the game, but I think they cover I, I this is one I would not put money on the spread because I can see it going easily both ways. I sure. can, and 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 this it's week two. We don't have a whole lot of data, but if I use the week one data, I'm like, take 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 the not take the spread. You know what I mean? Yeah. Take, go for it. Um, but just because we know who these teams kind of are, really in the back of our head, but you never know. Because surprise, surprises happen in the NFL. Teams you knew were absolutely fabulous just suddenly flop and teams that were garbage suddenly become something special and then of course the any any given Sunday thing I just don't like playing the spread on this game where I do like though mm-hmm. is the money line you got which the, is the Lions plus 420 the Packers minus 600 I'm plus yeah. 420 the Lions all yep. day long I love I that bet I agree with you wholeheartedly I by the way I do have a little bit of a conspiracy theory oh, wait, as to why on. some uh oh here we go <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Yeah, Here's a theory of mine why some teams played as bad as they did in week one. And I think it's because of the smaller preseason. Yeah. I think when you had a preseason that was four games, and look, I hate preseason football. I'm sure a lot of fans feel the same way. But when you had four preseason games, the first game, you played the starters a little bit. The second game, you played them a little bit more. That third game, which was always the closest thing to a real regular season game, your starters would play at least a half. And then the fourth game, nobody important played. Well, this year with the three games, it was kind of weird because a lot of teams didn't really play their starters at all. And if they did, it was only for bits and pieces, maybe a quarter here and a quarter here and a quarter here. But they never really got that one half of football. And I think with teams like the Packers and the Atlanta Falcons, I think it showed in week one that maybe 
coaches need to take a different approach to the preseason, this now three-game preseason as opposed to four, to get your teams ready to go. The Jacksonville Jaguars is another team that, even though it looked like they played their starters a little bit more, they didn't look ready to play at all. Whereas a team like the Houston Texans, which had so many roster issues that they had to, to, to basically figure out, they came out like gangbusters. Now, granted, it was against the Jaguars, but I think because they played their players a little bit more during the preseason, they were more ready for the regular season, at least in the first week. Yeah, yeah, no, a- absolutely. And uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm not going to argue with you, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I want to, but I'm not going. No. All right. By the way, I'm, Jeff Bezos may be buying the Denver Broncos. See, that's more reason to go to Amazon.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. <laughs> Stop him from getting control of the NFL. Otherwise, all the teams are going to be owned by him. We've seen what he does. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. All right. Uh, over, under, I want to give it as we kind of do. What's your guess where the over, under is? 42. 42, not 47 and a half. High scoring game. Really? For, yeah. I think it's at 10, and, and the, the difference there is that 10 and a half that they expect the the spread to be I'd be tempted you know what that's one I'd lay off of because I'd be tempted to go over but I could also see the game going under so I'd stay out I'd stay away from that one I'm like you with the spread I stay away from that one because it's just no way yep no money line game this is the money line game take that's it exactly All right. Hey, Micro Mike, how you doing? Nice to see you in the chat again. Thanks for stopping by, brother. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the final outcome, the Fanatics final outcome, our predictions, fanatics.detroitlionspodcast.com. All your Lions gear available. Official gear, if you like hockey, you like football, you like uh, college football, basketball, any kind of gear you want to get. It's the real official stuff. Same as Amazon. If you use it, they give us a cut. It doesn't cost you any more, but they help support your favorite podcast. You get something out of it. We get something out of it. Fanatics.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Head on over and get all your favorite game day gear. All right, Tony, here we are. We're sitting here looking at the final outcome. We're in Lambeau. There's a lot really at stake for this team and and where they're going for both teams, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. One team's coming off angry after a humiliating defeat in New Orleans. The other one just came short in a big kind of end of the game gel where they were making possibly making that comeback and just fell a little short. Where do you see this game ending? I'm going to go Packers 31, Lions 21. That's the way I feel. I think Green Bay is going to come out and play well. I think they're going to play well in front of their home fans. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to play well. I don't think you're going to see the Aaron Rodgers you saw in week one and week two. I think the Packers have something to prove. I think the Lions have something to prove. This is... One of two national tele- <clears throat> excuse me, national television games for the Lions got choked up there. The other one is Thanksgiving Day against the Bears. That's it. So if you're the Lions, you want to put on a good show for the audience, for the national television audience. So to me, they'll play well, but I think the Packers are just going to play better. Lambeau's a huge advantage for the Packers. Their fans are some of the smartest fans in football, the even refs. if about half of them look like Elmer Fudd. <laughs> and so... I'm serious. When it's hunting season in Green Bay in Wisconsin, half the people who show up at Lambeau Field are dressed like Elmer Fudd. I keep expecting to hear them say, we're going to hunt wabbits. Ah. 31-21 final score for me. Packers beat the Lions. Oh, Tony, thank you for that drop. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> Um, no, I, I I don't disagree. And again, this is this game is one that boy, it's 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 a two faced kind of game. It could go two two ways completely. 
I'm going to mm-hmm. go 28-24 with the Packers on top. I think the Packers win. I think the Lions are going to keep it closer. I think the big Monday night stage uh, favors the Lions, actually. Um, the the there's there's the humiliation humiliation factor for the Packers. They want to come back, but mm-hmm. this coaching staff is a coaching staff of people who've played on Monday night. Yep. Dan, Dan Campbell is a guy who knows how to get his players ramped up, amped up, and ready for a stage like Monday night. The importance of it, the heart, the pride of what playing up to your ability means in a game like a Monday night game. I think. And if and then if I look back to Lafleur and and uh, Aaron Rodgers, it's just angry. It's mm-hmm. just anger. It's a different motivation, right? I, I I love heart. I love the the pride. I love playing for that. I think the Lions play hard. I just think they come up a little short. But I I I say that. But by the same token, I don't count them out, right? It's it's the two face right. game. I I could see the Lions really pulling this out and being that surprise team of this year that uh, kind of came out of nowhere and surprises the, the national media. So we'll see. I would love the Tuesday morning headlines to be a dumpster fire with, with a Green Bay logo on it. I mean, that, I, in my heart, I would love to see that. I just don't see that happening. It's uh, 28-24 Lions in a, in a well-fought match. And remember, 9-8 and eight could win the NFC North. That's right. That's right. Based on the way everything's going right now with all four teams all losing in week one, Nine and or nine and eight might end up winning the NFC North. And look, the Vikings have the the Vikings have a tough game coming up this week against the Arizona Cardinals. Yep. There's no guarantee on that one. So who knows what's going to happen with this division? And that's what makes this game uh, also important, Chris, because division wins could go a long way towards determining which of the four teams goes to the playoffs out if, of the North. If they're going to eke out a couple wins, there's a couple surprise wins this year. These are the ones, these division ones yeah. are the one to get and to steal one against Green Bay. That's would be huge. That is gigantic. There you go. All right, a couple quick things. No post-game show this week. Uh, it's Monday night. we got day jobs. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we're not starting to show at midnight, all right? Uh, so, so no post game show this week, folks. We apologize, but game day drinks is coming. It would have, you know, been out on Thursdays, but we had our big announcement with Herman Moore. Check out mm-hmm. LionsNationUnite.com and get uh, part of the conversation. Join us and Dosa Dion and some of the other folks out there, and uh, as creators, creating a, a great fan friendly place under the auspices of Herman Moore and. Interact with Herman. Go in and have fun. Lomas is there. The whole thing. It's a great time. A lot of good stuff there. I know Barry stopped by for a little interview. There's some some stuff going on there. And also this weekend, DetroitLionsPodcast.com will have a Herman Moore signed mini helmet and two tickets to the Thanksgiving Day game against the Bears up for auction with proceeds going to support Fisher House, uh, one of the greatest charities in Michigan, uh, Platinum sponsored a plus charity great stuff game day drinks like i said will be up uh likely on saturday so you have a cocktail to make no naming contest this week because there's no post game show to to have with each other but we have a really great game great drink for you with that to thank you so much man long work day and you still come and do this with us i i'm so appreciative uh i no problem oh i'm sorry uh i'm <laughs> i gotta stop that no i'm having fun chris thank you very much for letting me do this and Thank you again for uh, putting up with me last week with the camera issues. No issues this week, so it worked out just fine. It was it was absolutely awesome. All right, remember, don't forget about us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Get access to the Slack, the most intelligent Lions chat on the internet. Also, follow T.O. on Twitter, AJ Ortiz3. Get him in there. Get him, get him. Go tell him you love him on Twitter because you know he's out there. Also, we're out there at DET Lions Podcast, DET Lions Podcast. And give us a call via Skype, Detroit Lions Podcast, all one word, Detroit Lions Podcast, 
or call us on the Lions line, 929-33-LIONS, 929-335-4667. And be sure to go to DetroitLionsPodcast.com, get involved in that auction, subscribe to the podcast so we can show up in your ears automatically. And thank you for tuning in. We're going to see you next time on the Detroit Lions Podcast. Remember, no pants, no toasters, no hot tubs, <laughs> no problems, baby, because we're your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. Final seconds winding down, and look at that. How big is that? Chris and Case out of time. Pack the bag, start the plane. This show is over. You've had enough of that shit.